Day podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. No, that's a really interesting point. Andy. This microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> no, I think I said that, Andy. And Ryan Hannibal. Well, what's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. 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 Mr. On weei.com. Lots of Patriots news on this uh, Tuesday, beginning of the week, where this was supposed to be training camp week, but now it's uh, COVID 19 reporting week. But we have a lot of players uh, opting out, which is why we're doing this podcast a little bit earlier in the week. First of all, before we get to that, I want to talk about audio quality and podcasts. Oh, priorities, yes. Well, we take a lot of shit for the last year of it was this, it was that, it was a phone, it was... And then I listened to the freaking double coverage podcast with two NFL players who make tens of millions of dollars each, and it sounded like absolute crap. And they had other NFL players on as guests. So, like, I'm sorry, if they're going to have crappy podcasts, we can have a crappy audio podcast with good content. Okay, I'm done. I'm glad you ran over. Um, what are your uh, – you're not wrong, by the way. You aren't wrong. Like, I mean, we're doing it from our freaking laptops in a pandemic. It is what it is. They are NFL players. They could have any audio they wanted. They could have like, ISDN they also, lines. They could also like, hire somebody to make sure it's free. Right. And theirs sounds like ours. It's like a Zoom that, like, if one talks and the other talks, they both get washed out. And, and if a third person comes in, then it's even worse. Correct. Although I did learn from them. Uh, should we start drinking more during podcasts? They both well, drink they, wine. Yeah, they have wine every Sunday night. Yeah. Well, they're they really a wine theirs, drinker. But they do their Sunday night. Ours is yours during the day. So I can't drink during the day? Well, I guess you could. Well, but, I don't know. I do have baseball games. I was going to say, I don't know if you want to be interrupting your other activities later on. Today. And we do play like the bad news bears sometimes so maybe if i showed up drunk it would be okay <laughs> there you go found, found a reason to do that okay so uh, let's get to the important news of the day um as the character in Waterboy says oh no we suck again um patriots took some blows today yep you're the news guy so you list the guys that opted out first go ahead marcus cannon well it's yep. marcus cannon dante hightower patrick chung Dan Vitale and the Brandon Bolden and the, the guard that was on the practice squad last year. So Najee Perron. I was going to say, my apologies to him. Uh, so, yes, those are the players, which between them is like three and a half decades of game experience as a Patriot or something. I mean, Chung. Probably I, two I, of the, I was going to say two of the four-ish best players on defense. Yeah, and like – leaders and guys they lean on for communication and so you you marry that up with Vanoy, Collins, Harmon, I'll even throw a Landon Roberts in there, Harmon. Yeah, like this defense that was I already if they returned in whole, I would have had quite a question just right. because of the way last year ended and the level of competition this year. But when you add that in um, you know, I did a radio hit in Jacksonville and they were asking me sort of where I was. And I said, well, radio hit in Jacksonville? I'm big 10, 10 XL, I think is down there. Oh, your, your brand is huge in Jacksonville. You, you, you joke, but I was mid one answer. And the guy goes, and I did want to remind everyone, Andy's been with us for years. He does the, uh, media mock draft every off season. I believe he started in 2004 doing that. Wow. So I have a following down there. Probably more of a following there than I do here. Um, what was I saying before I was rudely interrupted? 
the defense isn't going to be that good this year. Oh yeah. So like the roller coaster of the off season, the departure of Brady and everything that went in there, but it was kind of like, eh, maybe this is not a playoff team. Remember there was even the tanking talk. Then it was That's back today. Cam Newton. No, no, no. Wait, we, we got to go chronologically here. Cam Newton. Now the only question was, are they going to beat the Kansas city chiefs in the AFC title game? According to Mike Lombardi. Right. Well, I feel like that dip has come again, and you're right. There's, like, tanking talk and Adam yeah, Schefter's of, text. Uh, yeah, that text, yep. Like, Schefter has questions about, uh, you know, texting with executives that think Bill's got something up his sleeve with all these opt-outs and, like, tanking for Trevor Lawrence is back in the equation. And I don't think it's that. I think, you know, you and I talked on the phone before we did the podcast, like, these are veteran end-of-their-career players who have made – some not Brady money, but decent money. A good chunk of change. Tens of millions of dollars uh, in the National Football League. Who, you know, Marcus Cannon, cancer. Yep. Dante Hightower just had a kid less than two weeks ago. I guess he yep. talked about it while he was having poor audio on the uh, yeah, recording he podcast. Broke the news on that podcast. Yes. Um, Patrick Chung has been open on uh, social media. He's going to have a child at some point coming up. Um, you know, so it makes sense. Some of like they're kind of logical. Now, we also thought maybe there was a chance like the McCordys, older, end of career family men. I, I still have my doubts. I'm not doubts, but I still leave the door open. They could opt out. Uh, I would leave the door open as well. And you know, one that people have been circling circling around, but there's no um, blood or anything yet. Would oh, bad line, bad line. Take that. That was a bad. That was accidental. Uh, David Andrews. Um, well, Jardy reported today that he's opting in. Yeah, and we'll see. We'll see where that goes. But, um, you know, blood clots in your lungs a year ago, I don't know what that does. This is a disease uh, virus that gives people lung problems, right? right? Like, so I don't know. I'm not he, a doctor. Would, I don't, we're not doctors, but he probably falls into that high-risk category. And just, you know, for his own mental well-being, probably has some trepidation. Right. Right? Like, last year he had issues breathing. He had issues throwing up. He had issues whatever. Oh no, back again. I could have issues again, not necessarily directly related, but indirectly related. Right. Um, I just think, you know, we'll see when all the final, I think they have till August 1st. We're on July 28th. Well, we got a lot of conflicting reports on the date. Like I texted our NFL mm-hmm. insider, Giardi, to find out the exact date. And he goes, it's still being discussed. Oh, we got moving goal line here? Yeah. Like, because you're right. I've seen the first, I've seen the second, and now I'm seeing the third. So it's like, what is it? Well, either way, there's a ways to go before we find out definitively who's in, right. who's out. They have um, until at least the weekend. So, you know, maybe this is actually a small number when it's all said and done. Maybe this will we'll look back and say, wow, the Patriots got off easy because they still have Edelman, they still have Cam, whatever. Right. You know, because the, the first time a quarterback opts out, that that takes the headline. Totally. Right? I um, think there, there will be a starting NFL quarterback that opts out. Oh, I like the prediction. Yep. I think it's wrong, but I like it. You know my early one is? Alex Smith. Aaron Rodgers. Is this a commentary on what you think of Aaron Rodgers? No. I just... Why I would just, he opt out? I, just his comments at, at the golf tournament that he played in a couple weeks ago. He's, he was very, very skeptical of the season going off on time. Seemed to be dubious of the protocols, everything they had going on. Everything was prefaced with if we play, if we have a season, if, 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 if. I just – that's just me reading between the lines. My uh, that, will shake, that will shake the sports world. Yep. Because that, that would be massive news. Yep. I like it. 
I'm not sure I agree with it, but I like it. And you I will don't think any quarterback will. I don't really like, I'm trying to think, is there anybody with a, like a health reason? Condition? Not that we know of. I mean, some of these guys that come out, you don't even know what they have. Right. And I saw, is Chung categorized as like other? What do you mean? Like somebody told me like Cannon is in the at risk. Right. Um, I believe the others on the Patriots are not. And then right. Chung was categorized as like unknown or, or like 2BD or something. Like I haven't seen that. So they're, they're determining if he's high risk? I guess. Okay. Maybe he's trying to scramble and find a risk so he can make a little extra money. Well, because, yeah, because they, they get, what, $350,000 compared to $150,000? And, I mean, two hundred k is nothing to sneeze at if you can get it. Plus, you get well, an accrued season, which adds on to your, like, pension and some of that crap. Right. Um, so there's probably other benefits of being in the at-risk the way yes. you are listed. But uh, more importantly, let's stick to the uh, specifics. Okay, so they're screwed at linebacker. Can we agree on that? Uh, yeah, because Juwan Bentley is now your starting middle linebacker. Your, your your play caller, your leader. I mean, we might as well elect him a captain right now, right? Uh, probably. Yeah, I believe he was one of those two-time captains at Purdue. Like, oh, yeah, three-time. Okay, three-time captain. I am going to say he needs to be a captain this year because like, it's going to be one of those things where Bill just basically decides who the captain is. He needs to get voted the captain. He's going to announce him, and some player is going to say, "Who? Who's the captain?" <laughs> I don't think I know him. I'm not, when do we get to meet him? Um, like, yeah, like Brandon Copeland's like, who's, who's this Bentley guy you're talking about? Um, because they are like ridiculously thin at linebacker. Brandon Copeland, he's another guy that's going to have to play a lot. Yeah, but he's like an outside edge player, oh. defensive end. I know. 263 pounds. He's, who else do they have? shrugging. We're on the audio here. Stop shrugging. Therese Hall, he's going to have to play a lot. If he makes the team, just stay there. Therese Hall is not playing. I'm going to make a prediction. You made your great prediction about Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to predict Therese Hall is not playing, nor is DeJon Harris or whatever the other guy is. Oh, yeah, Suda Harris. Yeah, nor is he. There there will be some additions, maybe trades. They're going to have to – they need a veteran linebacker. They need – you know what they need? They need to go back about 20 years and get Roman Pfeiffer out of retirement. They need Roman Pfeiffer is what they need. Maybe Brian Cox, one of those types. Brandon Spikes? He's probably more realistic to get out of retirement. Yeah, I think he's probably done. But they need – I mean, I don't know what team has a fifth linebacker that they'd be willing to unload. Like, they're going to well, earn their – they, they have to add a linebacker. Wouldn't they have to do that probably sooner rather than later? You can't really wait till the end of training camp by saying, are you going to release this guy, blah, blah, blah. you got to do it now. Uh, yes, I would think so. I'm going to make a prediction. They will trade with the Detroit Lions and bring in a linebacker. Sounds. I mean, I'm sure Bill's working. The hey, Matt, you got a guy I can borrow. Yeah, I mean, he, I can he has to. No, he just goes down the street in Nantucket. Are they still on Nantucket together? No, no. I think according to Lynn's Instagram, they're back in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so linebacker, they're screwed, and and screwed either way. Even if Uche and Anthony Jennings are good picks, they were needed to be good picks to replace Collins and Van Oy. Correct. And they're not really inside off the ball linebackers. They're nope. edge guys. So to me, I'm going to think before I speak. This is a new, uh, new a thing new, for me. Yeah. Is that now like the worst position on the team? Well, I was just going to say the, the front seven is now the worst grouping of the team. And I think teams can run for 200 plus yards against them on every single week. Yeah, I do too. Even though Tom Curran, we never talked about it, anointed Adam Butler as the second coming of – 
uh, Warren Sapp or something. I don't know if you read his breakdown of positional groups. No. You didn't? No. It's a slideshow. Might have been last Friday. He put up a slideshow ranking the Patriots position groups. And defensive line was much higher than I would have put it. And he he gave he, – it's like he's Adam Butler's agent. He said Butler is, you know, a, a versatile interior pass rusher and a technician against the run, which well, why – He told you he wasn't on the field last year. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan Hannibal. He told me, ah, I just play on passing downs. That's not really my thing. But he, Tom, according to Tom Curran, he's a technician. Anyway, um, he also said, don't be surprised or don't be stunned when the Patriots give him a boatload of money to re-sign him this offseason. That'd be a mistake. Uh, and they won't. He, yeah. he will not be getting a boatload of money from the Patriots. He may get a like, surprising amount of money based on he kind of always has like five and a half or six sacks as a D-tackle. Yeah. Um, so he may get money. It won't be the Patriots. But anyway, Lawrence Guy is still a good player. Lawrence Guy is better than any linebacker. So yeah. – I would therefore say linebacker is the worst position on the team, especially if you kind of eliminate like Chase Winovich is a pass rusher. He's not, I don't know how versatile he is, but some of those, I think there's going to be guys forced into whether it's Uche Jennings, Winovich, Simon, maybe it's Simon. He's a guy. He certainly has the, uh, here's where I make a uh, racial statement. Certainly has the look of the Mike Vrabel, Teddy Bruschi, Rob Ninkovich, and those guys have bounced around. Remember, Ninkovich played some linebacker at one point. Yeah, but uh, does he have the size to do that? Yeah. Okay. They're, I mean, in a perfect world, maybe no. But this isn't a perfect world. This is – you're talking about freaking – what's his name? Therese Hall? Therese Hall. I always think – isn't there like a Therese Hilton or Perez Hilton? Or? Yeah, it's one of those gossip sites. Yeah. That's what I always think about when I see his name. But you think Therese Hall is going to play, and you think John Simon might not have the perfect size to play? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, but that's what you're with. Guys that have no business playing this position but are going to be forced into these roles because you're in the position that you're in. And I also want to emphasize, I like Jawan Bentley. I oh, thought yeah. Jawan Bentley had upside last year when he kind of got buried and didn't really have a role. Right. I still think he can play. But, but he's, not, he's not the leader of your middle of the defense type. He needs to be Ray freaking Lewis or something right. out there. Right. And I don't think that's fair. So You're um, already asking a lot of Hightower in his role at his age, et cetera. And now you're throwing that on Juwan Bentley's plate, who's barely played. He's in his third year. But he's really only played like half a season. Right. Um, okay, so we can move on. Hightower out. Linebacker screwed. That's the summary. Uh, offensive tackle also screwed. Yes. But at least, well, at least it's more of, you know, you were supposed to have five starters return. At least now you say, well, we got the other four, theoretically. For now. For now. Um, And you have a couple young, like Yadni Kajust. I don't know what he is. No idea. Right? They have no idea, too, though. But they drafted him in the third round knowing he could not play last year. Right. So they obviously saw something of him. So if we use like the – remember Marcus Cannon was a fifth-round pick. But cancer, you know, he would have been a second-round pick. Right. So they must have thought Yadni Kajust was a second-round talent or as a tackle, right? Yeah. Using that logic, yep. So they have him. Again, I don't know if it pans out. They've had flawed logic in those ways before. And then they have um, Cunningham, who he started in the National Football League. Yes, so it's a better it's a better situation than linebacker because at least you have names and guys. 
but I, I don't have any confidence in Corey Cunningham. I think this is another position you have to go out and find somebody on the street, whether it's Rajan Waddle, Jared Veldy, or one of these veterans that are still out there. Um, how did that work out last year? Uh, not great. Sucked. All I heard was the reason Tom Brady couldn't pass and Sony Michelle couldn't run is because the line sucked, and much of that had to do with them scrambling to bring in guys in August and September to play offensive line. Oh, and I don't want to add to the misery, but you no longer have Dante Scarnecchia to turn chicken shit into chicken salad. You're going to just have chicken shit with a couple of young coaches trying to add mayonnaise. Yeah. Good, good, good luck to them. But you do have two guys to replace one guy, so maybe they can put their brains together and figure it out. If you have two shortstops, how many do you have? Uh, two. One. No, none. None. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Jesus. I set you up for a cliche and you can't even spike at home. I'm in a mood today. Um, yeah, if you have two offensive line coaches, I don't th- – too many cooks in the kitchen. I, I don't – I don't I don't really <laughs> like that. Yeah, I don't really understand it. What do we got, an interior line coach and an out- exterior line coach? So what, what happens with media availability? Are they going to both talk next to each other and, like, bounce answers off of each other? No, we gotta we got to divide and conquer them. we got to try to, like, knife our way in, spread them out, and then compare notes. Right. But it's, who knows? Yeah. We may never talk to them, ever. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, Okay, so offensive line, not not ideal, but not screwed. Throw Corey Cunningham, Yodney Kajust out there. He's next to Shaq Mason. You have a quarterback who's used to running around a little bit, theoretically, in Cam Newton. Would you, hypothetically, would you ever consider moving uh, Joe Tooney out there? I would consider everything. I would consider Tooney or Win or both. Move Win out there, move Tooney to left tackle, and then – but then who's the guard? You're still scrambling to find a guard. Uh, maybe they, they think they can get James Ferentz on the phone and have him come in. James Ferentz sucks. He started a game for you last year and didn't get Tom Brady killed. So Corey Cunningham started six. No, was it six? How many games did he start for the Cardinals a couple of years ago? Oh, for the, Yeah, I think it was half a season. He started six games at left tackle in the National Football League. I'm just going to throw it out there. He's better than Ferentz. He is better than he is. Uh, Froholt, I'm going to say he's better. All right, but uh, maybe the Patriots feel like they can get better alternatives on the interior and then kick guys out. But we know Bill doesn't love the idea of turning one opening into three changes. Right. He's talked a lot about that over the years, like not really liking, you know, you move this guy here and then this guy move here and this guy move here and that whole thing. So – my guess is, and who knows what the process is like, whether we get to observe it or not and how the media, but my guess is they will put somebody at right tackle with the other four guys lined up next to him. Yes, I would, I would probably agree. Probably, probably Kajust. Yeah, I would, I would say so. And then have whatever, if it's Cunningham or another veteran that comes in just to be there, you know, as, right. the, as the extra tackle. Um, I mean, their roster is very much in flux right now. Before we move on to the rest of the opt-outs, so we should note they cut down to 80. Yep, on Sunday. By, I mean, most notable, Brian Lewerke, Jamar Smith. They got rid of the two young quarterbacks. Well, Hastings, but he's back now. Right, Hastings, who people have their panties in a bunch. I still don't really understand why. Because, um, because he, he isn't, he's an onside kick machine, and he caught some passes from Jared Stidham, who's probably not going to be your quarterback. Yeah, but the Patriots had that wide receiver on the practice squad last year who caught more passes from Stidham. Forgot his name, but yeah, you are right. Yeah, if if catching passes from Stidham mattered, that guy would still be here. Right, he's not. He isn't. So let's right. stop pretending that catching a few college passes from Stidham matters. You know what matters? Cam Newton's better. 
Anyway, um, where was I going? What were we talking about? Brent Bolden also opted out, which just... Uh, Brandon Bolden, whatever. I mean, doesn't... He, he was probably going to get cut, might have been cut, especially yeah. if you go into game day roster spots and Damian Harris actually being active this year. Chong definitely impacts the the safeties room. Probably has Phillips playing more, Terrence Brooks, and maybe even Kyle Duggar that could maybe speed up his progression. Which I think that the lack of preseason games and joint practices hurts him perhaps more than anybody in the roster because he's coming from a Division two school and needs to get up to speed with how things actually go at this level. Yeah, I think this may be obvious here. I think the Chung one is the easiest to overcome. I mean, Adrian Phillips is a veteran player. You have your top pick elite athlete in Duggar. You even have like Joan Williams, Jason McCourty have played some safety, depending on how you want to divvy it up. Right. I don't love the Brooks thing. I've, I saw enough of him late last year. I don't think he needs to play a lot more, um, but they have, I would say options. legitimate options. Le- yeah. I mean, it's not impossible to say Kyle Duggar's such a good athlete. He can do it. There'll be some holes. There'll be some right. mistakes, but like he's in the mix to play. And you used your top pick at a position where the guy just opted out. So I don't – like if they had taken um, uh, Patrick Queen or one of those guys, like you'd feel so much better about linebacker. At least your top pick, like you targeted a young right. athlete. Right. So I, I think the safety position and you're playing alongside Devin McCourty. So communication-wise, you should have some help there. I just think that's probably the one – easiest to overcome if that's the right word because and I also think Chung has not been as good of late no he's taking a step back I mean that just comes with age and his injury history and I mean he's played in these games but he leaves them in the first quarter or can only play a certain number of snaps so he's been on the field lately but not he hasn't been the where where did Bill say he was a couple years ago one of the best players in the NFL he's he's not he's not at that level I don't think he was ever at that level, but Bill got a little bit ahead of himself. So they, the Patriots do get some cap relief with these players opting out. So they have close to, what is it, like $24 million, I think? Oh, $30 million. Close to 30 now. Because 24 was before Chung, and Chung right. was like a $5 million player. So they, they have a boatload of money available, but do what do they do with it? It's sort of a, a tough spot to really go out and get somebody right now. So I think – I get your thoughts, but I think the more likely scenario is just carrying it over into next year, honestly. Yeah, I don't – I mean, Jadavian Clowney is the sexy go-get-him pass rush. Your defense has fallen apart. Let's go get an elite defensive player. Sure, maybe. Um, I would never rule anything out. Maybe he's decided this is a weird year. I'm not signing a long-term deal. I'll go sign with the Patriots for a year. Right. They got some money. They can give me, you know, one year $10 million now or something. Um, I think that's – still doubtful I think you're right they'll probably make some minor trades slash signings because I do think they need to add some bodies oh yeah yes Um, and probably not just guys they necessarily released but like a veteran offensive lineman a veteran linebacker like add some bodies that could contribute Um, and then yeah like it they're already set to either have a lot of cap money next year or be okay if other teams are in crappy spots because of coronavirus right so if you roll over Okay, so the cost of doing business is, let's say, $8 million. If you roll over $22 million to add to, maybe it's not $86 million anymore. Maybe it's down to $50 million. Okay, well, now I'm back up to $72 million. And depending on what I want to do, I want to re-sign. Uh, although some of that will change because, like, Hightower would be on the books, right? Right. Yeah, his, his will just roll over. Right. So some of that will change. 
Um, but they're still in a good position, setting themselves up nicely for next year. Right, or this year. I've posed the idea this year they could midseason be an aggressive trade team against teams who maybe they're not playing as well as they expected, and they are looking at an offseason of, holy crap, we need to cut $50 million in cap space. Right. Oh, the Patriots will give us you know a second-round pick for a guy that we were going to cut. They get him for the rest of this year, and then they pick up his contract for the next year or two. Right. Um, sort of like last year with Sanu. They got him at the deadline, but they also got him again this year. So finding guys like that who have contracts that lead into the next year. Right. So they have flexibility to do what they, whatever they want. The problem is they have a lot of things they probably need to do right now to get, you know, as Bill would say, well, you know, luckily we don't play a game until September 13th. Well, you actually are lucky today because I'm not sure what your team looks like right now. Yeah, I don't right? know. You don't even know who you're, who's, who's uh, calling the plays in your defense. Calling your plays on your defense, uh, your quarterback, uh, starters all over both sides of the ball, leadership roles. Like, I don't totally dismiss the leadership aspect of a guy like Hightower, a guy like Chung, even a guy like Bolden. Bolden's really well-liked and respected. Oh, yeah. He's one of the most underrated, most liked guys on that team. And by everybody. Coaches love him. Players love him. He, he does that weird thing where he's – like, I would say Matthew Slater is super well-respected. Yep. But he's not, like, one of the guys in a weird way. He's, like, yeah. above him a little bit. Yeah, he's sort of like the next-tier player-coach type thing. Yeah, whereas Bolden is, like, one of the guys screwing around with music, screwing yeah. around with this, screwing around – Has a big boot box that everybody likes, yeah. Right, and then – but then the coaches love him, too, and he has the respect there. So he's, like – he fits in in a weird way. And I saw Mike Tannenbaum very, very praiseful on Twitter about one of the most impressive men he's ever been around in the NFL and – Blah, blah, blah. I forgot the rest of it. But it was very nice. He said some very nice things about Brandon Bolton. Uh, can I get a thing I want to get off my chest about how these opt-outs have been covered? I, I should have mentioned this earlier. Probably. There, there are some, like, Patriots homers on Twitter, media, non-media, who are, like, trying to spin this as to praise Belichick. Have you noticed this? Uh, not really. And how does that work? Well, people are saying that, number one, Bill – is ahead of the curve where he told every player to make your decision now rather than later. So he gets a head start on the free agents that could be available. So that's why the Patriots are basically the first team to come out with all these players opting out because Bill was ahead of the curve by telling them to, to opt out now rather than later. That's, that's number one. And the other one was that Bill, Bill is all about family. He always encourages players to you know, put family first. And that's why some of these players are, are opting out now. Like, it's, it's just unbelievable. It's, it's frankly, it's embarrassing that some of these people put on Twitter and spin this into praising Belichick as, like, he's the, he's the, like, this is part of his master plan. Okay, so I have two questions. If Bill was so great at for the first thing, telling players, like, we need the answer sooner rather than later, right. wouldn't that have changed when Gronk retired a year ago? Correct. Okay, so it didn't work then when it was necessary. And if he was so about family and this and that, wouldn't he, be, wouldn't he have potentially had a better relationship with Tom Brady over the last few years when Brady was going to see his family all the time? Uh, you would think. Okay, so it's stupid. We yeah. can, okay. It's, we can, it, it just, that really bothered me to say. It was, it was embarrassing. Like, I'd be embarrassed to tweet these things. Sounds like a column. Uh, maybe. I got another one coming. By the way, the column I wrote today about coronavirus porn panic or whatever, panic porn, uh, some people really liked and some people really didn't. <laughs> but you know what they say? That's a good column. Got right. both sides. Right. No, there, some people got real fired up in both directions, which that's, I found very interesting. Well, that's a sign of a good column. So 
You did a good job. Whatever. Okay, so let's get you to the coaching staff, or should I call it the Belichick family tree? Belichick slash Lombardi. Yes. Um, do you have that in front of you? Well, I, I no, but I can sort of go off it. You got. I don't know. Offense, you didn't know the six opt outs. Offensively, you got Josh no longer his quarterbacks coach. He's just the offensive coordinator, as expected. Well, it's. I think that's semi notable, like that he's not even has that like title. Well, you had to give Jed Fish some title. No, he could be – like, Josh could still be the quarterback's coach, and so could Jed Fish. They, you have two offensive line coaches for crying out loud. You can have two quarterback's coaches. Yeah, but Jed Fish has been an NFL offensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator at major college football. He's not Cam Brasillo and Cole Popovich. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think right. you had to give him a little something-something. So, Jed Fish is the quarterback's coach. Uh, Ivan Fears stays at running backs with Troy Brown as his assistant, I guess. But also and- – Yes. But also working with the returners, which I thought was an interesting wrinkle. I find that very interesting. First of all, we know Ivan Fears is old. Um, He looks old. He gets out to practice early so he can sit and rest for a while before players get – like, he's old. Yes. So they added Cole Popovich a year ago to be his assistant to probably take some stress off or weight off his uh, plate. Yep. That's a mixed metaphor there. Weight off his plate. Um. (laughs) But Troy Brown is interesting to me because, A, I wasn't sure his career was going to continue as a coach. Oh, yeah. He was not a named assistant a year ago. So he has no. been promoted to named assistant, like actual position guy. Um, Weren't there rumors he wasn't even getting paid last year? Yes, there were rumors he wasn't getting So I'm guessing he's getting paid now. But also, he's moving positions, which – A position he never even coached or played. Nothing. And, and – to me, Belichick does that sometimes when he likes guys to get them experiences because he thinks they're developing coaches. Right. So I think – because I think some of us have wondered what kind of future Troy has, how serious he is, how dedicated. He's not Gerard Mayo. I think everybody's like, Mayo, no. if he wants to be a coach, he's a coach. No. So Troy, I found it interesting that he's moving to running backs, got a secondary title there, got a – first of all, got a title, then a secondary title with the returners – it sort just, of is a sign that he has a career as a coach, and this isn't just like a helping Bill out as a favor thing. Yeah, I kind of think that might be, might yeah. be the road that he Bill says. You know what? He might have a future in this coaching gig. And also, and for, also for Troy himself, like he probably didn't know last year exactly what he wanted to do, and realized he liked it. He liked being right. part of the team for the entire year. So, yeah. So I found that one interesting. Um, Nick that's Lombardi a, at wide receiver. Oh, that's another. I mean. I guess it's a promotion. He was an assistant quarterback's coach last year. Now he's got his own position this year. Right. So he probably gets a little bump in pay, a little bump in authority. Um, you have the two offensive line coaches and Cam Brasillo and Cole. Is it oh. Cam Brasillo? Yeah. Okay. And Cole Popovich. Um, there's also an offensive assistant. I found it interesting they announced the assistants. Tyler Hughes. Yeah. Uh, uh, who has like no – he was at like a high school, I believe. A yes. year or two ago, he got most of his experience as a quality control coach with Ohio State, so the Urban Meyer connection. Great. Um, yeah, but you're right. They usually don't announce those. Right. So the coaching staff has grown theoretically a little bit with guys like Troy Brown, Tyler Houston, who's the defensive assistant is one of those. Vinny Sinceri. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Vinny Sinceri. Famous Alabama alum. Yep. Um, it's grown a little bit in the roles as they divvied up. But we go to the defensive side of the ball – um, and as we predicted, as we had sort of heard, there's a lot of the same faces, but they're juggled up a little bit. Yep. Demarcus Covington takes over for Brett Bielema on the defensive line. Covington actually 
I think he played and coached defensive line before he arrived with the Patriots. So sort of falls in line with his background. Yep. Um, but the most notable change, I would say, is Steve Belichick going to coach the outside linebackers coming from safeties. Yep. He's also probably the de facto defensive coordinator. Yep. Uh, but it, A, it, it gives him a little different look and experience. But more yep. importantly, it's a position we just talked about. He'll work with Gerard Mayo, the inside linebackers coach, that – you have a not much talent and the talent you do have is young and needs a lot of coaching. And it wouldn't necessarily make sense maybe for Brian Belichick to get his first real position coaching gig at that position. He goes with the safeties where at least he has Devin McCord, even if he doesn't have Patrick Chung to lean on. Yeah. It's the, the safety spot still the most veteran player group on the team. I would right. say. So it's a, a good landing spot for a first year positional coach, sort of like it was, for Steve back when he took over. And then I got, I'm agreeing with you that basically your two most experienced coaches, Mayo and, and Belichick on that side of the ball, are with the, the most inexperienced grouping, the, the, the group that needs most help. And in the middle of everything. They work with the D-line. They probably you know, right. have some meetings that overlap. They work with the secondary, have some meetings that overlap. Which also so. probably carries over to their play-calling duties, which everybody knows they both sort of did last year at various times. So helps that process along as well. Right. Um, so do you have any, like, 10,000-foot takeaways on the coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're, Bill's sort of sticking to what he's always stuck with in terms of, like, promoting it. Brian, his youngest son. Like, he's got his experience as the assistant, scouting, coaching assistant, now as his own position. Um, so he's working his way up the food chain. Same thing with, with Steve. He's sort of working his way up. Like, Brian Flores and Matt Patricia, weren't they linebackers coaches before they were defensive coordinators? I believe they both coached linebackers and secondary. So that's that same progression. So I, right. I think Bill's sort of sticking to what he's always preached and liked. And I think that shows that Steve probably has a future in the game as a play caller, defensive coordinator eventually down the road, maybe even next year. And then Brian's following along in his footsteps too. I, no, they're, they're young. They're a very young coaching staff. Do you think there's any um, nepotism negativity? from anyone in terms of what just another Belichick here we go again no because they've been around like Brian has been around the organization for five years five six years so I and like if Steve has didn't show that he could coach like don't you think that'd be more of a, a theme like the players seem to like him like they seem to respect him well, they, A, that was a weird situation. He went to school with the players he was coaching. Like, he was their boy already, had been around the team a long time. Brian is a little bit different. Um, and I would just, like, I just think somebody like Michael Bennett, who got into a fight with Brett Bielema or whatever happened last year, you don't think he might look around a defensive meeting room and goes, how many mother bleeping Belichick's we got in this room? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, but, like, Gee, how'd you get your job, Brian? Gee, Steve, how'd you end up in this room? But but it's not but it's not like the Belichick family tree is like the freaking um, judges, like Joe Judge's family, or like just some random NFL coach that's just like a journeyman guy. Like Belichick's obviously the best coach in the league. Like there's something there. Just because a guy's the best at something doesn't mean his kids are good. Where's I, Michael Jordan's kids? It's just a little bit different. It's, it's not like it's the Lombardis. Like, I just think it's, it's a little bit different that it's the Belichicks and not just, like, some random guy. Don't you think it's nepotism? I'm, I mean, um, it's human nature to, like, push back against that. 
Maybe yeah. not for Devin McCourty and Jason McCourty, but who knows? Like the next, you know, Kyle Duggar. Kyle Duggar goes, I got better coaching than this at freaking Lenore Ryan. Like, you, you only run into it if there's actual issues there and basically Bill as the father has to make up for it, which I don't think is the case. I still think these guys can coach. It doesn't matter whether they can coach. The question is, will there be production? Because that's when there will be problems. But there hasn't been an issue with it since. Like, Steve was calling the place last year, so clearly he was doing something right. Right, and they were the best defense in football. If they were giving up 470 yards a game through the air and getting run all over. Then then you would start to get that, yes. Yes. Don't you think that there's a chance that Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, all these guys they face this year might make some plays, and now there's a second Belichick, and there's two Belichicks in different positions. There might – oh, by the way, there's a lot less good players. I was going to say, you could, also, you could just make the argument that the roster stinks and not blame the coaches. No, I know, but do you think in the heat of it some people are going to do that, or might some people be like – You'll get a few. You'll get a few. I, I don't think it's a – like. You, are you, do you think it's a big thing? Do you think it's a big deal, or you're just bringing it up? Um, I think people will notice it. I don't – players, other coaches – Coaches on other teams that are no longer here, um, maybe people in the front office, maybe people in the Kraft family. Like, don't you think people notice? Yeah, I mean, if you if you use this like in the corporate world, like if it was the CEO is Bill, and then like the you know whatever chief chief marketing officer is the other son, and then the chief financial officer is the other son. Yeah, you probably think there's something going on there. So I guess yeah. it, it is human nature to to think that way. And especially if stuff goes wrong and stuff on defense doesn't look as good. And I just think there's an opportunity for obvious, you know, targeted, poignant criticisms to come their way. That's all I'm saying is that there's – you're giving fuel. And then it goes back to – and I got into lots of fights with my former boss, Fred Kirsch, about this. The um, story in ESPN, the magazine – what was his name? Who wrote it? Seth Wickersham. Seth Wickersham's story where he said Bill had a, quote, truly dynastic succession plan, and that is passing of the throne from father to son, and we are getting closer and more options to pass the throne from father to son, and I was laughed at when, oh, you're taking that too literally. He didn't mean that literally. All we've seen now is Belichick kids ascend through the coaching ranks in New England since then. You're not wrong to go that way. I, I mean, you're, you're looking more, more right as time has gone on. So. But I will say my counterpoint is to that, that Jonathan Kraft would say over my dead body, is he passing you know, this team to his son? This is my team. It's not his team. Uh, yeah, I would say that there will be a time that that power struggle happens and we'll be here to document it. Steve, uh, when Bill says... I am retiring. The word retiring won't be out of his mouth, and Jonathan will say, take those two with you. Right. Correct. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe he loves them. I'm speculating. Maybe he loves them more than any other assistant coaches he's ever had on his roster over the last 35 years. I just have my doubts. Uh, What else do we have to get to? Um, Well, special teams, uh, Acord is now the head guy. Joe Houston, who was at USC last year. Yeah, he's a former kicker. Right. He's now the assistant, and then the, no one else is at that spot. Now, how many right. coaches do they need? How many assistants to the assistants do they need? Well, I, I didn't know if they had a, uh, like a coaching assistant special teams person. Wow. 
there's no more Belichicks, or maybe they would. It's true. <laughs> so, and then Moses Cabrera staying at uh, head of strength and conditioning with Mayo's brother as his assistant. Yeah, lots of blood ties in this coaching staff. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Now, does your same argument apply to the uh, Mayo connection? Like, there's too many Mayos around? Like, he just got this job because his brother is Gerard? That, no, no, no. See, that's normal. Somebody knows somebody. There's a brother. It's not the father hires his two sons. That's different. Yeah. Right? No. You're right. If you know somebody or your brother knows somebody and he puts in a good word and that person really respects your brother, so he takes that word at really high value, that's fine. I think that's the way at least the good old boys network works in this world. But uh, I guess we'll get to the scheduling. So players are reporting this week for tests, uh, can come back this weekend, we think, and then can start conditioning work next week. So we um, think the time frame is going to go Yes, I believe that's right. And then work their way into some like OTA work. OTA stuff where they can do stuff with helmets but no pads. And then I think ultimately the date is like August 16th or 17th where they can put full pads on. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. About 21 days from now-ish. Yeah. And, then, um, and you're going to find out hopefully later this week sort of a skeleton of what media access maybe looked like. You're on a conference call with the team. Yes, since I'm the head guy above you on this list, I will be, yeah, there's a, a meeting conference call this week to go over sort of how things might look, which I think is all fluid. Like teams probably don't really know a lot. So hopefully we get a little more answers, like how many people are going to be there per day, where we're going to be sitting. Um, yeah, we'll get more information this week, just how this whole thing is going to look because no one really knows, and I don't really blame anybody for not knowing because the players don't really even know either. They just no, find I, out, like, yesterday. Yeah, the league is – I mean, didn't they just officially announce that there's no preseason games? Like, yeah. we've known that for weeks and weeks. Right. Um, so they're still crossing the teams, dotting the I's, figuring everything. And some of it will change, potentially. I mean, the, the Miami Marlins outbreak that's up to whatever it is, 19 people and yeah. – games being postponed and contact tracing and everything that's going to become an issue. Like we're, when these tests come in, there's going to be a lot of positive NFL tests. Yes. That's just the reality. A lot of people that don't know they have it or had it. Um, the antibodies they're coming in, they're going to find it because they're testing what 3000 plus people. Yeah. Just, just, just do the math out. It's a lot of people. You're going to get yeah. some positive tests. And it's, and it's not just, the players, it's the players, the coaches, the trainers, the media, the website, the social media, the yeah. PR. Everybody that's inside that little bubble, I guess you can call it. Yeah, what are they trying to call it? A, a, a virtual bubble or a local bubble or satellite bubble? They're trying to call it something, and most of the doctors are like, that's stupid. They're all going home to their family. It's not a bubble. Yeah, it's, it's not. We it's not a bubble it. at all, because unless you quarantine all the family in their house and don't let them leave their house, there's no such thing as a bubble. Right. Yeah. They're all a, coming in with a bubble contract. with a lot of holes. Right. Because the wife is going to go to the grocery store. She went to BJ's. Now she's rubbed right. elbows with 35 and, people. And, and the kid went to daycare who's around 10 other kids. And, right. Yeah. So it's not a bubble. So A, there's going to be a lot of tests. And B, you're going to have some outbreaks, much like the Marlins have. Who knows when those come, how the league reacts or teams react to them. I did think it was somewhat, uh, I don't know if it's ironic or coincidental that the um, head of the Vikings, VP yep. of whatever, he came down. He yeah, tested. Their, their coronavirus chief guy right. promoted came down right. with himself. Yeah. Right. 
So get used to that. There's going to be a million of those. But um, for the here and for the now, the biggest issue is the Patriots don't have Dante Hightower. They don't have Patrick Chung. They don't have Marcus Cannon. And we'll see how it plays out. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll be back next week unless something else happens this week. There's more breaking news. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, I'm supposed to come at you with something? Random well, question? How about a random complaint? Okay, I can, I can feed off of your random complaint. What's the complaint, mayonnaise boy? So we wanted to go out to dinner this weekend, like at a, at a new, new place on the water in Newburyport. Okay. thought it'd be nice to you know, get out in the water, have a nice dinner on the place. You Sounds a little pricey. You, you can't make reservations online. And they said to call ahead the day before to sort of see what availability was. So we did. They said, okay. They said, last Saturday, it was an hour and a half to three hour wait. We said, okay, we'll call, you know, around, but we'll, we can, you can call ahead. So we said, oh, we'll call around that time, and whatever. We did. Busy, busy, busy. For three straight hours. We think that their phone was off the hook. Like, <laughs> how are you supposed to run a restaurant like that? Well, I think they're doing just fine because it seems like they must have a lot of customers. That just walk up. And what if you walk up and like, oh, three hours. What are you supposed to do for three hours when you live 40 minutes away? So this is a new place? Yes. That's opened like in the midst of the pandemic? No, oh, like afterwards, like probably j- June. Wow. That's yeah. uh, it, it's a... It's a chain. It's a chain. Oh, kind of chain. Tuscan Kitchen. Oh, Tuscan Kitchen. Okay. Not familiar. Never been there. Um, it's interesting, though, but they must have enough customers. They're clearly not scrambling to get customers in their tables, and they're probably just overwhelmed with the environment. And probably, the- but I just think that's, that's not a way. Like, maybe have an automated recording or some, something to sort of set things up. I thought that was bad customer service. Okay, so finish the story. Where'd you eat? Uh, at, a, at a local pizza place in my town. Oh, I like pizza. <laughs> Me too. It just wasn't pizza. the same. It was, we were in like a parking lot, a makeshift parking lot patio instead of on the water. Well, you probably saved yourself like a hundred bucks. Well, we thought we did, but then got the bill. Like, wait, was this much money? For pizza? Pizza and drinks. Add up. What'd you have? Fancy drinks? Yeah, I had my nice beers and it was a, sp- I didn't get, I actually didn't get my cheese pizza, especially. What'd you get? Shrimp. Whoa, 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 whoa. You went from cheese to shrimp? I'm a, big, I'm a big shrimp guy. Me too, but that's kind of a leap. Like a shrimp pizza is outside the norm. I know, but maybe you got through in the last podcast. I need to expand my horizons with this. And did you enjoy it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, you didn't love it though, did you? Yeah, I mean, for the price and what I thought of it, like I'd rather just have my... Forget the price. It was okay. I think they could be more separate. Just my cheese pizza and then my shrimp on the side. So a shrimp appetizer and then some cheese pizza. Correct. That'd be the ideal thing, yeah. And places should either take reservations or at least answer their damn phone. Yes, yes. I, I enjoy when you're uh, irritated. I, see, that gives me a little, little glimpse into the life that is Ryan Hannibal, the serial yeah. killer. Yeah. I'm glad I can provide you that. Now when people say, why did he go so wrong and why did he start burying bodies in the backyard? Just point to the end of this podcast. Always the restaurants. The restaurants feed people and they drive people insane. That's where it is. Yep. All right. Uh, anything else you want to get to? Uh, nope. I think that's good. I got an oil change to get to. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you next week unless something else happens this week. Other than that, uh, subscribe, follow us, off day, pod on Twitter, iTunes, do all that good stuff. We're still looking for those reviews and, and five stars. They're still good. Sure. Whatever you got, we'll take. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Peace out.